0: Hello, welcome to What Girls Want, a podcast. My name is Mamelo Sejake. I'm a fun time and I'm standing in for our host, Ola. Adolescent girls, young women and gender diverse people across Eastern and Southern Africa have high rates of unintended pregnancies and are at higher risk of HIV compared to older women of reproductive age. This is a result of various interrelated issues, including the lack of access to services and negative social norms. Joining us via Zoom are our two focal points, Lillian Benjamin Mwakosi from Tanzania and Nyasha Musawuga from Zimbabwe. Hello,
1: please introduce
0: yourselves. Hi, my
1: name is Dr. Lillian Benjamin Mwakosi, all the way from the United Republic of Tanzania. And I am the Afina focal point for Tanzania. Hi, my name is Nyasha Mseruka. I'm from Zimbabwe. I'm working with uh, organizations which are advocate for people with disabilities' rights. I'm also a co-founder of an organization that is called Remedian. It also talks about how people with disabilities should stand for their rights. I'm also the focal point. Asina network for Zimbabwe welcome to both of you it's so good to have you Lillian can you please tell us what are contraceptives so contraceptives are different alternatives or rather methods and tools that um, can be used to give um, a person the power to decide when to conceive and when not to how many um are times in their lifetime they would love to conceive if, at all, that's an option they're looking into and if at all they're not looking into conceiving at all. And by conceiving, I mean involving all partners that um, are subjected to the decision and deciding if they, they're choosing not to conceive and making sure that it's a choice that someone makes and they're able to meet that end using those tools that are available in our communities to help facilities. I love how you spoke about the fact that there are different forms of contraceptives because as a result of there being a lot of shortage of contraceptives and people, the lack of access, we often think that they are, they are very limited forms of contraceptives. So thank you for broadening that and also like bringing in the fact that contraceptives allow us to have choices, which is very important. Nyasha, could you please share with us your understanding of contraceptives? Uh, I think I just like Dr. Lillian has alluded to, contraceptives are different ways in which um, if we are not even a couple or a person can choose when and how to to have children. And I would also like to highlight that some of these contraceptives, they also... Uh, reduce the chances of contracting HIV or contracting STIs, a person can choose which one suits her best or which one suits them best if they are a couple planning on having their children. So sometimes these uh, contraceptives, some people call them uh, family planning methods. They are there for couples to plan how their family is going to be, how many children they are going to have. Thank you, Nyasha. That was really insightful. Um, again, you brought in the fact that contraceptives give us choices, right? And while you were speaking, I was also thinking about the fact that contraceptives aren't also always about preventing pregnancies, but also I know some people use contraceptives or different. There are contraceptives that are used to balance hormones so that, like, if you have bad Period pains or hormonal, is it Dr. Lillian? You can correct me. Hormonal, hormonal irregularities. Contraceptives can help with that. So they can make life easier. Could you please share with us? I'll start with Nyasha. Why are contraceptives important? I think personally, uh, it empowers the young women, the adolescent girls and young women on what to say when it comes to their bodies, when it comes to their um, choices uh, of uh, using these contraceptives. It's all about empowering. Thank you for bringing in the the relationship between contraceptives and bodily autonomy and taking it further than just thinking about reproduction or procreation and, and and adding the fact that they can be a source of empowerment and bodily autonomy. Lillian, would you answer the question as well, but also take into consideration, so what are the, the benefits of contraceptives and what are some of the barriers that we face when it comes to accessing contraceptives? Contraceptives provide a room, again, to give women, to give community members choice to decide when to conceive if if that's an option that they're looking into. But also, like like you have mentioned, choice is a very fundamental element in how we access sexual and reproductive health services comprehensively. So that's one thing that contraceptives bring into our sexual reproductive health packages. Uh, But also, additionally, I would talk about how contraceptives have proven to have improved maternal and child child health, um, maternal well being, maternal outcomes and also um child health in general. Back in the days we used to hear a lot of mortality rates, high mortality rate pertaining to, you know, complications that would happen before, during and after birth. And somewhat they were contributed by the fact that women did not have the choice to decide when to actually allow their bodies to Breathe before they decide that they want to have more babies. Even an option that they're looking into, and now we're in the space that we have better maternal and child um, outcomes throughout the journey as one decides to become pregnant and hopefully, successfully getting into the level where they're able to actually bring a life. When it comes to barriers in accessing these now um, contraceptives options. The biggest thing that I've seen from the community engagements I've done with um, young girls, girls and women generally, first, it's lack of options. Like we know what should be available. But again, the story is different. When you go to the facilities to access the services, you find you are only able to access what is there. We know a whole range of alternatives that one can use for contraception. For instance, for these modern tools, when you go to the facilities, especially in our country's most rural areas, you may find that there's a shortage of some of the options. And you're forced to use what's available instead of using what would be your preferred choice. And then, um, one other barrier that I'll talk of that has somewhat caused a lot of damage from adolescent girls and young women, for instance, um, has been The issue around how our cultures do not really support access to these services, in the name of that, young girls are not supposed to be having sex and conservativeness. So this has created a judgmental space that even when they want to access these services, uh, one may be aware of where to access services, but there are there are a couple of very barriers that they have to cross to reach to a point where they are able to actually now access the tools that they want to use, and that has the, the environment has been so unfriendly that um it lowers um, uptake of these services by young people. But also we can talk around also our policy environment that narrows down um, from time to time how girls and women can access these services. At the time and place when they want to. You've said so many powerful and important um, points. Two of them that really stood out for me is, and that I wasn't aware of, is that contraceptives um, have or are improving maternal and child well-being. I didn't know that. And that also goes to show why it is so important for us to have more access to up-to-date information that reflects the realities of people's sexual reproductive health and, and yeah, what it comes from promoting and protecting rights. And another thing which takes me to my next question is how cultures are not always supportive of the use of contraceptive, um, particularly for girls, women, and gender diverse people, and how limiting the use of contraceptives or thinking of the using contraceptives um to automatically mean that some a person is having sex when there are multiple reasons that people use contraceptives. So with that said, Nyasha, could you please tell us or share some religious beliefs that may discourage people, cultural or religious beliefs that discourage people from using contraceptives. Some of these beliefs, it norms or values that our cultures do have, they also limit us as adolescent girls and young women in accessing uh, contraceptives. Some cultures, they believe that uh, if uh, young women or adolescents seek for contraceptives or if they want to use contraceptives, they are already indulging in sexual activities, which may not be the case. You also talked about uh, sometimes balancing the hormones, sometimes correcting some medical issues that have to do with uh, the reproductive system. At some point, I was one of them who had to balance my hormones using the contraceptive pills. I had to, but I wasn't indulging by that time. I could go for some time without having my period, and the doctors suggested that. Uh, I was ashamed of going to the pharmacy and access the the pills. People would stare at me. I was young by then. I was around 17, 18. And also here in Zimbabwe, we've got a religious sect that uh, doesn't use any type of contraception at all. And uh, this is a disadvantage to, to the girl child. Uh, These girls, they are married at 14, and they start bearing children at 14. It will be maybe six months after the child is born. The the girl is already pregnant. They don't have any choice whatsoever. I also see that uh, our leaders, they are not involved in issues to do with uh, sexual reproductive health. Yes, this particular system always uh, dominates uh, and always affects our decisions as women. Lillian, would you like to respond? And then I can engage the two of you at the same time. I wouldn't go too far from what um, Nya has shared. and Maybe not to duplicate some points. I would add on to the myths and misconceptions that are ongoing in our Mm communities that are somewhat influenced by, of course, culture and partly um, the religious beliefs of late. When you engage with our communities here, for instance, in my country, especially when you're talking to young women, you get to hear a lot of practices that are ongoing in place of scientifically co- uh, proven um, contraceptive practices as an alternative to accessing these um to meeting their demands. And this would highly be explained now by the existing barriers, including how, for instance, religion, sort of some of our religions, um, the use of contraceptives seem as if it's something sinful to do and how culturally any young girl um, having sex, for instance, before marriage, may be perceived to be promiscuous and the likes. And to avoid all those inconveniences on how services are being accessed, because at the end of the day, you may find that they don't really want to go to the clinics to the health facilities where they can meet people who are well-trained and give them guidance to accessing the services. They would rather have their own um, peers direct them on what to do. And they most of the times end up using alternatives that are really, um, I would say, risky in terms of how they're exposing the vaginal, reproductive or organs to perhaps germs that would later lead to infections and the likes. So the environment around religion and culture is more suppressing and making it more difficult for young women to access these services when they need. And it seems as if, especially in some countries where where, where conservativeness is like a thing, um, it's even difficult to cut across those barriers because even sometimes in the decision-making levels, you have people who actually are holding on to those cultural values that we believe do not really favor girls and women to access services so the way they should. I think one, one thing that the, that the two of you have said um, is how misconceptions and the misrepresentations of contraceptions affect access, don't only affect the access to contraceptives, but also limits, which means the choices. When it comes to taking contraceptions and and that is a very dangerous thing. So I know that Lillian needs to leave, unfortunately. So I would like to ask you one more thing before you leave. If you could one message that you have for decision makers, stakeholders, leaders on a national, regional, global level, one message for them about Increasing the access the access and the variety of contraceptives for adolescent girls, young women and gender diverse people, taking into consideration why it is important that they improve this. What would you say? I think my biggest call would be um to facilitate choice. And this is not just limited to contraceptives, but All sexual and productive health services that communities are entitled to. As we normally say, sexual and productive health services are fundamental in our day-to-day lives. So it's really important for policymakers, stakeholders, to be our allies in this and create an environment that would be more friendly for adolescent girls and young women to access um, contraceptives and Sexual productive health services. And when we're doing this, they need to bear in mind access to services has nothing to do with someone's sexual activity levels. It's really more important to ensure that we have information available and services available so that anybody who needs them can access them whenever they have to than leaving an environment that we're currently in where young women may need services, they don't know where to access them. And it becomes difficult to get to them even when they find out where exactly they can access the services. And um eventually getting to places where the services being provided do not meet standards. So it's really important to up our game in making sure that we make um these services as comprehensive as possible and allow a friendly environment for adolescent girls and young women to um access them whenever they have to. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lillian. It has been amazing being with you. We look forward to having you and connecting you on another session. Go well. So I loved how Lillian brought up the fact that improving accessibility, the accessibility of contraceptives, facilitates choice and this has been a reoccurring theme throughout all the answers to the questions that I've asked and Lilia I'm also saying that increasing access to contraceptives or rather promoting and protecting sexual reproductive health and rights and people's abilities to make choices are fundamental to our daily our daily lives and well-being and that is overlooked and it is critical that stakeholders support us and protect us, ensuring that there's access to information that teaches us what choices are available to us, where we can go to find the, the services and the contraceptives and support that we need. And yeah, the effects of the different of different methods of contraceptives. So, Nyasha. Could you please tell us, in your area, are there youth-friendly facilities in your country, in your area? Um, Are there youth-friendly facilities for adolescent girls and young women? Before COVID-19 pandemic, we used to have some youth-friendly corners which were much uh, running. But now they are starting to open uh, one by one. So, yes, they are there. I think there is also need for awareness raising that these facilities are now open and they are functioning. Thank you, Nasha. That's really encouraging to know that there are facilities available. Um. So now the work is about making sure that people know that those services and those facilities are there for them, and that we we work towards ensuring that there are more of them, and that. People know where to go so that they know how how to protect themselves and they're able to protect themselves. One last question. If you could, one message, one message to stakeholders and leaders um, at all levels or at any level about the importance of making sure that contraceptives are available to adolescent girls and young women and gender diverse people. Our stakeholders and also even the government, we should make sure that we have got a harmony in our policies, Uh, especially when it comes to comprehensive sexuality education. We need to to have harmony between the policies and the targeted group. Uh, These young girls, adolescent girls, young women, They need to know about contraceptives and they also need to have access to these contraceptives because whether we like it or not, they are indulging, which can be risky. We can have unwanted pregnancies, we can have STIs, we can have HIV and even AIDS. So we just need to embrace what is happening and harmonize our policies. Thank you, Nyasha. Thank you. Thank you for that. It is very important that we harmonize what is happening in the ground with the laws and policies and interventions put in place. It is all good and well to have laws and policies um, and all these interventions. But if if they aren't being implemented and they do not reach the people that they are intended for at a grassroots level, then is it really productive? So thank you for for, for raising that. And I, I love the word, the fact that you use the word harmony. That is what we need.
0: Thank you to the team. Thank you to our guests. And thank you all for listening. I'm really happy that we had this conversation. I've learned so much. And I think that the power of conversations like this amongst peers are often overlooked. This episode is hosted and produced by me, Mamela Sajaya. Edited and mixed by Andy Lamswami. And brought to you by Athena Network. Please listen, subscribe, and share our podcast. We're on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher.